someone will bring you one. Matthew chapter 8. What can Jesus do for you? A lot of answers for that question, right? Um, Not all people think uh, the same of Jesus Christ, who he is or or what he can do for us. Um, You guys have probably seen all the the videos of people being interviewed, uh, um, being interviewed by people who are asked, um, who do you think Jesus is? You guys seen those videos before? Um, They say some crazy things, right? really crazy things. Um, most of them don't even uh, come close to knowing who um, or what he can do for them, right? So that's kind of what we're, we're going to be going over tonight. Uh, two events in the ministry of Jesus where he meets uh, the needs of two people in particular. And these two people show great, great faith, a tremendous faith, and uh, which I think will inspire us to do the same. Um, there's this verse in, uh, anyone familiar with Psalm 78? Kind of goes over like the history of Israel and how we're supposed to pass on uh, to the next generation uh, the praises of the Lord and his wondrous works and so they can do it to the next generation. Um, but there's this one verse in, in, that, in that psalm that, that always kind of is up here um, where it says, they limited the, the Holy One of Israel. Um, and I wonder... Uh, Am I am I limit, limiting God? Uh, am I limiting what God can do in my life? Um, am I restricting or preventing Him or restraining what Jesus can do in my life? You guys ever think that? You guys are like, no. <laughs> uh, I hope I'm not the only one here who feels that, um, uh, but I bet I'm not the only one. But I know it's so easy for us and so easy for me to drag my feet in my spiritual walk with the Lord, um, that I put him into a place where he's no longer effective in my life. And uh, he's at a place where I no longer no longer hear him. I placed him there by primarily my lack of faith. Uh, Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As we'll see in, in this passage, uh, the first 13 verses, uh, this leper and this centurion uh, come boldly before Jesus Christ. And know without a doubt that he is able to heal them or someone. In, chapters, in, the, in the previous chapters 5 through 7, we see Jesus uh, a teaching, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, so many things the Lord teaches to his disciples on that mountain. Um, being the salt and the light of the earth. Uh, mor- murder being compared to hate, right? Uh, committing adultery, giving to the poor, praying, forgiveness, uh, laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. Um, teaches about worrying, uh, judging, um, asking, seeking, knocking, uh, entering by the narrow gate, and last, uh, building your house on the rock. Uh, pretty cool things he shares with them, right? Unheard of back then. Um, 
But I, I bet he taught, he taught in such a way that people were in awe of those teachings, right? People were just with their, with their mouths open. And at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, um, let's turn there. Um, it's, it's in chapter 7. We're pretty close to where we're at. Chapter 7 of Matthew, 20, verses 28 and 29. Um, it says, um, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one having authority and not as his scribes. The scribes were people who recorded things, wrote things down for leaders and um, you know kings of the day. Uh, New Testament scribes are a special group among the Jewish uh, religious leaders who um, their primary duty was to study the law of Moses and to teach it to people and to uh, even settle disputes among different types of people uh, or questions even about the law. The people saw a difference between the teachings of Jesus and the scribes, the way they taught. They saw the authority that Jesus taught with, and we can assume that they did not, uh, the scribes did not show that same authority. Um, the word authority in, in verse 29 of chapter 7 is translated uh, power to act. Power to act. It's a cool definition, huh? Power to act. Uh, Jesus could act on his teachings. He was able to show them what he taught them. Um, I kind of pictured, uh, and anyone lift weights here? Not really. Okay. You guys aren't helping. No, but, um, I mean, if you want to lift weights, you know, you expect a, uh, a big buff guy to teach you, right? Um, someone who could show you how to do it, right? You don't expect, like, a someone like me, skinny, and showing you how to bench press or do squats or anything like that. That's kind of what just popped in my head. But Jesus was able to teach them what he was, was, he, what he was teaching them, to show them. Um, but the one thing I'll try to get across to you tonight is, is Jesus is able. Do you believe that? He's able, right? Um, Jesus is able and has the power to act on our behalf. You know, I know he died on the cross for our sins. Amen to that, right? And we totally acknowledge um, that act on the cross, and there was great power shown there. But God is still working on us, right? He's still working on me, and um, it is only through his son Jesus that I will be set free um, of the daily struggles that I have and uh, that you also have. So hopefully uh, that comes across clearly during the study. Um, and with that said, let's get started. Uh, chapter 8. Um, so this is right after the Sermon on the Mount, and he's coming down the mountain, and um, the Lord's going to display his power. And uh, these two people show great faith, like I mentioned before, uh, the faith that cries out boldly, uh, Jesus, you are able. I have to confess something here. Um, nothing, nothing crazy or anything, but, um, but you know, does anyone remember where we left off on Sundays in the Gospel of Luke? Great, I'm not the only one. But, um, you know, I, Manny called me, he asked me if I do the study, I was like, sure, Manny, I will, yeah. But I got it into studying, and it turns out he's going to be teaching on the same thing on Sunday, so that worked out great. So let's read verses 1 through 4. It wasn't planned that way. Verses 1 through 4. It says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, 
But go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And Jesus is coming down the mountain, and great multitudes are following him. Great multitudes. You know, I'm not sure how many are in a great multitude, but a lot of people. Uh, more than likely, uh, from what the, they heard during the sermon. Um, so we have a picture, picture here of a great multitude following Jesus. And who burst on the scene? A leper, right? A leper. It says, um, and behold, a leper came. I bet you some of the people were tripping out, right? Because they were to be kept aside. Uh, another version says, uh, suddenly a leper came. You know, if you had leprosy back then, uh, what would happen? You'd, you'd, be, you'd be banished, right? Or, you know, set outside the camp. Uh, you were told to, to leave the city, uh, and that was it. Um, there was no cure for leprosy back then. Uh, so if you had it, you were pretty much dust forgotten of, right? Um, and what would they have to yell if they were getting too close to someone or if they saw someone? Unclean, right? Unclean. Uh, leprosy back then was a terrible disease. Uh, if you had it, uh, people thought or assumed you did something wrong and God was uh, punishing you, right? It was direct punishment from the Lord. It affects not we're, uh, we're not just physically, but um, we, can, we can probably imagine much more, right? If you had family, um, if you had kids or you're just not allowed to see them anymore or anything like that. Um, many commentators rank leprosy uh, second only to death. And we're not sure how far along this person was in, in the stages of leprosy, but by this, by this passage, uh, he was at the point where he didn't care what people thought um, or what he was going to run into. Uh, the law that he was supposed to obey didn't matter to him anymore. He had his eyes set on the only one who could save him um, from certain death, and that was Jesus. What did it say when, it, when he said he got to Jesus? It said he, he worshipped him, right? What, do we first, what, do we, what is the first thing that pops into our head when we, think, when we say worship? Think of singing, right? Singing, praising, praising his name. Um, but I don't think he, he started singing or anything like that. Um, you can tell how he worshipped him by the, by the words he used. And by the words he used, he laid down his life before the Lord. First of all, he calls him Lord, right? Um, the first time in Matthew that it's directed to Jesus, and it's another word uh, for master, right? For master. Master, if you are willing. If you are willing. Who has trouble figuring out the will of the Lord? All right. It's crazy sometimes praying, asking God to show us uh, what he wants you to do, even day to day, right? The big decisions we have in our lives today are sometimes difficult. Uh, this leper lays down a perfect example of how we are to ask of the Lord. You know, he's not asking him um, to help him to make a decision of any sort uh, like we normally do. He isn't asking him to heal him of some normal disease. This is a life and death situation. Life or death, either A or B. And remind me, what does, does the leper say? If you are willing. If you are willing. A high percentage of us, myself included, would leave the if you are willing out and just say, Lord, heal me. And the leper says, um, lays down his life before Jesus, knowing that Jesus can heal him with, without a doubt. But desires that Jesus do what he wants with his life. An, an outstanding example of how Jesus, our Savior, 
is to govern our lives. Uh, I'm usually like, Lord, I want to do this. I would like that. And can I go here? Can you make it your will? Please? Who else, who else kind of sometimes prays like that? Sometimes, right? Prays like that. We get, we get it totally flipped around sometimes. Uh, but this leper hits, hits the bullseye with, with real worship of the Lord. And we see Jesus respond to his request in, in verse 3, which says, Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Uh, Jesus could have spoken healing to the leper, but instead chose to touch the leper and heal him in that way. How surprised the leper probably was, right, when the, when the Lord touched him. No one, was, no one was supposed to touch him, even get any, uh, close to him, or they would be unclean as well. Uh, Jesus interacts. I'm sure he interacted with you in a personal way, and he interacted with this, with, uh, with this leper in a special way, a way that no one else could. Uh, this man wasn't, who wasn't touched in who knows how long because of this deadly disease he had, uh, wasn't just healed by Jesus, but healed with a touch of Jesus. It was very personal. It was, it was the start of a, of a personal relationship with Jesus, the same relationship that we should have with Jesus. It's, it's not a religion. You guys hear that a lot, right? It's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a personal relationship. Jesus was willing, and immediately the leper was healed, immediately. It didn't take a while. It was, there wasn't a waiting period um, to see if it really worked. Instantly, people saw that the leprosy was gone. In verse 4, Jesus tells him to not to tell anyone and go to the priest and offer a gift according to the law. Do you think he kept it to himself? No. Uh, no, in the Gospel of Mark, it says that he began to proclaim it freely. Freely. Was it a bad thing for him to tell people that he was healed? It, it, it turns out um, kind of was uh, because it, <laughs> In Mark, uh, Gospel of Mark, it says that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, and which was which uh, he was denied access to the city and also the people inside of it. So, so who's Jesus knew right? He knew what it was right. And the overall, the overall reason Jesus uh, told him not to say anything about the miracle was because it wasn't it wasn't the right time, right? This wasn't the right time. The timing wasn't wasn't perfect yet. Because sometimes people focus on, on miracles and not, the, uh, and not our Lord, right? Um, Jesus also tells him to go offer uh, the, gift of, the gift that the law requires when um, someone is healed of leprosy. Um, that's in uh, Leviticus. Let's read it. hope I don't lose anybody by reading this. Kind of long, but kind of just goes over uh, what they had to do according to the law. Leviticus chapter... Leviticus chapter 14. Okay, everyone there? Yeah. Okay, uh, Leviticus chapter 14. We're going to read the first 20 verses. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leper for the day of his cleansing. 
he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for, for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. He, he who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and wash himself in water, that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all the hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows. All his hair he shall shave off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, as a grain offering and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and weigh them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a, in a holy place. For as a sin offering is the priest, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of the log of the oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some on the tip of his right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the blood of of the trespass offering. Then the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. Pretty crazy, huh? All the, all the stuff the leper had to do if he was cleansed. Why did Jesus want him to do this, do you think? At the end of verse 4, it says to do this as a testimony to them. In the NLT, it says, uh, so everyone will have proof of his healing. So there could be proof, proof that, that the Messiah was, was there, that he, he had arrived. But did anyone notice? No one noticed, right? Um, did Jesus come to destroy the law? He came to what? To fulfill it, right? To complete it. And there was never a leper who was healed by obeying the law. The law never healed them. Only through the power of Jesus Christ was a leper healed. Jesus fulfilled the law 
fulfilled what the law couldn't. The same is true in the salvation of Jesus uh, in Jesus. Leprosy symbolizes uh, what for us? It symbolizes sin, right? Sin. It starts on the inside, and it will kill us just like leprosy, slowly uh, from the inside out. Just like leprosy back then, there is no cure for sin for us according to the law. The only cure for our sin, the only hope for us to be is to be cleansed through Jesus Christ. Jesus completes what the law couldn't for us. Romans 8.3, write, write this preference on Romans 8.3. It says, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his son, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How incredible our God is. You guys agree? What you guys do? He sends his only son to heal us from this incurable disease we call sin. Has Jesus touched you? Has he healed you? Do you believe he has the ability to help you in anything you go through in your life? From life to death. Jesus is able to do what no man or woman or ritual or tradition can ever do for you. He completes us. He comes in and cleanses us from the inside out of all the, the, the filth. And we should let our sin, we shouldn't let our sin or, or all the things we've done in our life prevent us from coming to him, from going to him. Jesus is ready for everything. Have you talked to people who say, you know, they'll give their life to the Lord? I'll give my life to the Lord when I get my life right. Hear that a lot, right? I always hear all the time. Um, how, how tragic that is. When people when people say that, uh, when will they get when will they get their life straight? When they give their life to Jesus, right? Just like us. Not that we're who's perfect here. No one's perfect, right? But the Lord has forgiven us through His Son and continues to 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 churn us to refine us. And uh, through his word and through prayer. What would have happened to the leper if he didn't take that, that bold step to go to Jesus? He would have died, right? He would have died. Um, and what will happen to people today if they do not take that bold step to, to go to Jesus and worship him? They will die as well, right? A, a more severe death, I think. No. Okay, verses uh, 5 through 13. Uh, then centurion's servant. 5 through 13 in Matthew 8. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, that many will come from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, 
but the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So um, Jesus enters Capernaum, and a centurion approaches him. A centurion was a soldier um, in the Roman army, which would uh, make him a, make him a Gentile. I'm not sure what a position he had or which level you know he was at in the army, but but he did have a servant, and he did say they have soldiers under him. So he probably it's probably safe to say that he had a fairly high position in the army. And so this Gentile approaches a Jew and pleads with him. In the King James version, it says that he beseeched him. He was he was begging. He was begging Jesus to heal his servant. Again, we can see a person, a person, not not caring who he was in the eyes of other people. He just wanted to get to Jesus. You know, I'm sure people knew who he was, and he probably had the whole Roman getup. But this did not prevent him from finding Jesus. Is there status in the family of God? Do you have to fit some type of, of profile or criteria to be in the family? All we have to do is come, right? So this centurion pleads with the Lord and something for himself, right? No, he's pleading to the Lord not on his behalf, but on the behalf of his servant. Isn't that something? On the behalf of his servant. He's asking the Lord to heal his servant. Now, let's say you're a Roman soldier in a high position. You guys there? And you had a servant that was paralyzed. What would you do? Or just get another one, right? Get another one. Um, There was no reason for yourself to be concerned uh, with your slave's health or, or even his life. You would just probably get another one. So this in turn wasn't a normal Roman soldier that we sometimes characterize as, as ruthless and cruel. He cared for his servant, and we can kind of see uh, what kind of heart he had, what kind of heart he had. The Lord was probably doing a work in him. He had probably heard or witnessed his teachings of, of some sort and was putting them into practice. This servant was paralyzed and was dreadfully tormented. We all, we all have, a, have, a, have a picture in our eyes of, of someone being paralyzed, right? What do you see when you see someone being dreadfully tormented? Dreadfully tormented. The word tormented is translated to torture. The definition of of torment is to annoy or to be a nuisance. Um, You know, I I don't know if it was, if he was just in pain because he was paralyzed or if it was torture for him to be paralyzed. Uh, For us, it isn't always a physical thing, right? It isn't always a physical thing. We know it's not just a battle of flesh and blood. Six, Ephesians 6.12 says, for we, not, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The enemy torments people, right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You know, I'm not sure of you know, all the details. You know, I've never witnessed, you know, um, someone being tormented or, or possessed 
where it was clear without a doubt that it was Satan. I've never witnessed that. But I've seen Satan use certain things like drugs and alcohol to torment people. To, to use, he uses these devices to be a nuisance in families from generation to generation to generation. You know, one day, one day, um, it was Sunday, I think it was in, in between one of the services, and I bet some of the guys know him. He comes here fairly often, and and um, he sometimes, you know, is drunk most of the time. But but in talking to him, you know, um, it was it, w- it was weird, you know, because uh, I mean, everyone's talked to a drunk drunk guy right and they're just totally out of it you know their their eyes are just like almost closed barely making um barely acknowledging you but whenever i would mention the name jesus his eyes would just clear up and it it was i was like i'm gonna say that again see if he does the same thing and and it it was like he would just his countenance would change It, it was it was definitely you know uh something there Jesus responds to him, uh, to the centurion, and says that he is willing and that he will go and heal him. Jesus is willing. But a strange thing happens. The centurion does not want Jesus to go home with him. He says to Jesus that he's not worthy, that he should come under his roof, um, but only speak and my servant will be healed. Again, we see a big faith in Jesus that the centurion had. Um, not just for any reason. He doesn't say, you know, I saw you do this before or I heard you do this before, Jesus. Um, in verse 9, he gives a reason why he believed Jesus can do this. In verse 9, um, only one word. Anyone guess the word? It starts with an A. Authority, right? Authority. Who has a problem with authority? Don't all raise your hand. If we're honest, most of us at some point in our lives, right, um, really had a problem with authority. Most of us in our young years, some some of us still have a problem. It's not that we um, it's not that we um, have authority. It's because someone has authority over us most of the time, right? Maybe uses it to their advantage. Um, most 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 of the people work hard and have a boss. Anyone have a boss? Yeah. Unbelievers, unbelievers as bosses, believers as bosses. Is there difference? Difference, right? Some, sometimes still difficult, though, right? Still difficult. I've been blessed with a, with a with a good boss. He's pretty fair most of the time, but it's difficult sometimes. Uh, but with me, uh, you know, I, fo- I focus on the por- on the person who has authority over my physical life for 40 hours a week, instead of Jesus, who has authority over my soul, over my life. That's where I fail. I forget the authority Jesus has over my life, which in tune will fix the problems and difficulties that I have with people, um, with anybody. Romans 3.12 says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. A centurion, a centurion has Jesus placed in the rightful position of authority, 
and knew Jesus was able to heal from, from anywhere, anytime. Jesus reacts in verse 10. Let's read that. Verse 10, it says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. The only other time in the Bible where it says that Jesus marveled was in the Gospel of Mark where it says that he marveled at their unbelief, at their unbelief. So this is big, right? Jesus marveled. Jesus tells the, the, the crowd um, that he hasn't seen um, this much faith, not even Israel, which means not, even, not, not among even God's people. He has seen this much faith. Let's read 11 through 13 one more time. 11 through 13. It says, And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Do we know for sure who's going to be in heaven? Here Jesus tells the people, don't expect just to see the people who declare to be Christians or sons of the kingdom, like it's put in the, in the, in the, in the word here. People will come from the east and the west, speaking of the Gentile nations back then, and they will sit in the kingdom of heaven. You cannot inherit heaven. Your parents cannot hand down eternal salvation to you. The thing I will emphasize with the kids, because they sometimes get, um, think they like they just fit in. But it's more to that, right? They need to make their own um, declaration. They need to give their own lives to Jesus Christ. We we try to uh, from the little little ones all the way up to the big ones that they're accountable, just like we are, right? They're accountable, even though they're little. But most of them know the Bible more than more than I do, or more than all of us put together probably do. Um, it's it's not done that way. Heaven and the people in heaven don't fit in all into one box. Uh, the only thing in common everyone will have there is that they they place their faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only thing in common there. In these verses, we see the leper come to Jesus, and a Gentile come to Jesus. That that's proof right there that we don't we don't know. Who's going to be in heaven? Or we shouldn't be focused on that, I guess we should say. And I think the only thing we need to be focused on is if if we're going to be there. If we're sure we're going to be there. Verse 13, Jesus tells them, And you have believed, so let it be done to you. Uh, James 1, 6-8 says, But let him ask in faith, not with doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let no man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's tough. It's a tough thing to hear, right? Um, when the Word of God tells us that uh, we're not receiving from the Lord the things we ask of Him because we don't believe. We we doubt what the Lord can do. Sometimes that's true, right? Sometimes that's true. Do you believe? Do you believe? John 15:5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, 
He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without our belief in Jesus Christ and the things that he's able to do in our lives, we'd be walking around with our hands behind our back with handcuffs on, spiritually, right? Spiritually. We will be useless. I just pray that God helps us to be like the leper and, and like the centurion and have bold faith like they do. They didn't care who was watching, what was going on. They just went to Jesus Christ. So Matthew 8, 1 through 13, the leper coming to Jesus Christ, the centurion coming to Jesus, both showed great faith in our king. We went over the will of the Lord, kind of like a hard thing to manage, but, but something that we need to go after. The authority of Jesus Christ. And through all this, we see that Jesus is able. Amen? Jesus is able. Jesus, you are able. I pray that we always know this, this deep within us and that it, that, it, uh, that it all rubs off on us, you know. That's it, guys. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we come before you, Lord, just thanking you, Lord, so much, Lord, for uh, the opportunity, Lord, um, that you've given us, Lord, to uh, be your sons and daughters, Lord, uh, praying, Lord, that you, uh, that you help us, Lord, to, to see and to hear the things you, you're, you're trying to, to show us, Lord, and to tell us, Lord. Um, help us, Lord, to, to uh, seek after your face, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be a witness, Lord, of what you've done in our lives, Lord how you've healed us, Lord, how you've touched us, Lord. We pray and ask, Lord, uh, in faith, Lord, that you uh, do work, Lord, in this, in this body of believers here, Lord. Um, may you help us, Lord, to, to reach the lost, Lord. May you help us, Lord. May you do work here, Lord. I'm praying for our pastor that you, uh, that you refresh him, Lord. We, we thank you for him so much, Lord. We pray that you uh, do work in his life, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for his witness, Lord, his heart, Lord, his family, Lord, and everyone here, Lord, our family here, Lord. We pray that you, uh, you touch us, Lord, that you reach down, Lord, and, uh, and hold us in your arms, Lord. We love you so much, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.